0: Carnivorous Couch It happens once a week It swallows us for two hours When we try to sleep It forces us to watch a film About which we then speak Carnivorous Couch With Brady and Rob
1: Hey everybody, everybody, hey everybody Welcome to another episode of Carnivorous Couch The podcast where we do A film a week from two film geeks This week, we have me, because you can hear me talking, so I'm Rob.
2: Uh, Hey, I'm Brady, Brady Larson, right
1: here. And on the hotline, we got a special guest. Hello. His name is Kyan.
3: (laughs) (laughs) How's it going, people?
1: It's going all right. Uh, Thank you for being here, Kyan. I'm sorry it took so many hiccups to get this going, but uh, we we did. We persevered, and we got it. We did,
2: and... Oh, madam. Oh, sorry. Uh, so I feel like we owe Kyan a happy birthday, because we were going to record this on Kyan's birthday, right? That's
1: true. Initially, we were. Yeah, <laughs> we were
2: yeah. going we to get our good friend Daniel Plainview to sing you happy birthday.
1: Indeed. <laughs> Oh, because oh, we did There Will Be that. Blood this week. Right? Oh, right.
2: No, that's, that's a good segue. <laughs> yeah.
1: Important to mention. Uh, yeah, spoiler full podcast. So you should have seen this movie. Um, and if you haven't, we're going to spoil all of it for you. So
2: buckle up. It would be a real... In uh, great detail. Uh, in great detail. <laughs> it would be a real me in high school English move to just not watch the movie and podcast about it. So were you going to sing
1: Happy Birthday, Brady? Oh, oh Yes.
2: All right, ready? And, and Daniel, are you ready? Yes, I am. Oh, thank you, Daniel. Now, happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, happy birthday, dear dear birthday Kyan. to you! Happy birthday, dear Cain. We get the well, and then we get the gold. <laughs> and the gold, and, and I'll <laughs> blow the gold all over everything. Happy birthday, dear Cayenne, I don't like most people. I can't
1: do a plane for you right now.
2: Do you remember? You said <laughs> the key to it was just saying boo. Boo! <laughs> I was drunk. I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> So that's Kyan is about where we're at is getting drunk and doing Daniel Plainview impressions. I don't know what what your situation is, but but I'm uh
3: I'm uh just uh yeah, I don't I don't I don't know guys, I'm getting paid by the government to do nothing and yeah, <laughs> that's good. <laughs> watching, tons of, watching tons of movies and somehow keeping my sanity. If you would uh, say that I had a happier birthday, I would have to agree. I can't do Daniel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> a- Boy, plus. <laughs>
2: uh, <laughs> even, uh, try. before we jump jump into the the movie at hand, see anything good recently? Anything interesting?
3: Um, well, I'm not as much of a nerd as my friends, uh, so. I'll like watch stuff and then be like, "Yeah, I read the book, but that's uh, kind of shitty." But I've, I've been watching the Witcher series. I just finished that, and I actually really, I actually really enjoyed it. Oh, yeah, cool! I, um, I watched
1: that as well. I really liked that too.
3: Yeah, yeah, that was. I thought because um, I normally don't like watching movies with Henry Cavill. Okay, I guess he's only in Superman. I normally don't like super, uh, the superhero movies, but he was like really, really good. Um, as an actor in it, you know, kind of channeling that little Kevin Sorbo energy, a little darker. Oh, nice. Um, ca- characters a little, uh, are a lot more, um, characters are, like really, really well developed. And uh, I watched it and I had like an anxiety attack. I was like, oh, uh, what's well, going to happen in season two? So I would recommend for anybody, uh, you know, who's into uh, fantasy to watch that.
2: Cool, cool.
0: Right you know, on. I like no. Cavill,
2: and did, did either of you see the most recent Mission Impossible?
0: Uh, no, no. Oh. no. It's
2: cool. I'm telling you, no. it's it's a cool movie.
1: I, I don't think oh, I've really. seen any since the uh, the Fred Durst uh, <laughs> uh, theme song <laughs> yeah, that's for the Mission M.I. Impossible. <laughs> that was Mi2. Okay.
2: Well, and funny <laughs> enough, I should say. The Metallica song from that movie is basically the inspiration for our "Hey Hey, How Did You Like It?" tease. Oh, right? really?
1: No. Hey. hey, hey. Oh no, I didn't. Uh, that's.
2: Well, that was a good song. That was a good song. I disappear. You got Tom Cruise climbing the cliff or whatever.
1: Yeah. Well, the the first one was just three days of the Condor. The second one was John Wooish. Uh, and yeah. then the third and fourth are now.
2: First one was De Palma, then John Woo, then Abrams took a swing, and, oh yeah, and then Brad Bird did the fourth. Anyway, sorry. I'm off huh. on a Mission Impossible tangent.
1: Yeah, it's, it's a, that's a strange franchise. I I swear I'm telling I you, speak. they've
2: gotten really good since four.
1: All right, well, <laughs> Mission Impossible aside, this week we did, um, uh, <laughs> what's it called? There will be blood. Um, uh, We usually just, you know, basically say everything that happened in the movie. So, who wants to do that? Is that you, Brady?
2: Let me take a try, and if I stumble and get exhausted, then someone can pick up my baton. Okay. And bury my body. Uh, Okay, so we start. Oh, see, I'm already going to flub up what year it is. It's like turn of the century, America.
1: Um, I've got it written down. Right.
2: I think it's 1912
1: Over here. 1868. Oh, wow. 1860. Really? That far back? Mm, I think I originally wrote that down and it turns out it's more like
2: 1898. Yeah, I think it's 1898. (laughs) Okay. So, off to a great start. Okay. We start in the California desert, kind of Eastern California-ish, and it's this very craggy Martian landscape, and the only thing we hear at first, other than the... Very buzzy uh, score uh, made by Radiohead's Johnny Greenwood. Uh, we hear like a clanging, a pickaxe hitting into a rock somewhere, and we descend below the earth where Daniel Plainview is deep in a hole trying to mine for, I believe, silver? Um. Is it gold or silver? I don't, who cares? Uh, he's mining, and the first thing that happens to him is he breaks his leg. He falls down the chute. Breaks his leg, but in the process... He's like trying to haul up, haul
1: up a bucket and then,
2: uh... Yeah, he's, he's mining.
1: Then he's... It, it, a,
2: a solo miner. Okay, you go ahead. <laughs> he doesn't have a shingle yet. Yes. Uh, he's just one lone man in the middle of nowhere trying to find some precious metals. And he does, but he breaks his leg, so he has to crawl his way hand over hand into town so that he can exchange the gold to get his first paycheck. And he uses that paycheck some years later to start an oil operation, kind of a two-man oil operation with his friend who has a child. Uh, The child is H.W. Wait, well, anyway, (laughs) we'll meet him later on. But okay, and this is all, we should say, wordless, entirely wordless at this point.
1: Yeah, it's kind of like a silent uh, film sort of thing, but it's got diegetic uh, sound effects. like exactly. all, the, all the footsteps, all the, all the
2: clanging, all the whatever. Clanging, squeaking wheels, levers, all that. And so, yeah, they start an oil business, and we see them <coughs> kind of strike a big vein, and they're very happy about that. Uh, but tragedy strikes as the partner is killed in an accident where a piece of machinery falls on his head. Uh, meaning that his baby son is orphaned, so Daniel ends up having to take over the baby son, who is in a box.
1: Well, and he's he's now in charge solely.
2: He's he's the sole. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and
1: and yeah. Um, I also, I know that you're new to this guy, and so you feel free to jump in and and interject anytime you want. We can, we can all talk here. We don't have to listen just to Brady. <laughs> That's oh, not true. Okay. Yeah. Everyone
2: listen to me. Um, <laughs> okay, so this is when we get our first bit of dialogue. Once Daniel adopts HW, uh, he's on the train with him, and that's where we jump forward in time to where Daniel's kind of his operation is up and running, and he's a rich man at this point. Right? He's like already, I think, a rich dude. He just becomes richer. Uh, and he's trying to set up an operation in this town, but the people are kind of shouting at him. And so he makes the first of many Daniel Plainview power moves and just walks out of the meeting. Uh, he's just like, fuck you. That's yeah.
1: it. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't give you the uh, the lease if you gave it to me, I think is what he says as he walks out. Yes. Too confusing, yeah, because the town leaders couldn't get on board with whether or not they wanted to do this. Yeah, so half the town was like, no, and the other half was like, merr a oh, man
3: so, after my own heart yeah. don't waste my time exactly <laughs>
1: so
2: one night uh he's with his son and his business partner and a weird-looking paul dano looking dude played by paul dano walks into his office his name's also paul and his name is paul <laughs> and he's like hello, oh, I'm, I'm paul dano and he makes you know a little i love paul dano but he's got one of the most interesting faces i've ever seen um and he says his name is Paul Sunday and he knows of a town, a town where he's from where there's a bunch of oil. And Daniel kind of tries to fuck him immediately because that is Daniel's way <laughs> and tries to get the information free. Yeah. But Paul where is, is this? Uh,
1: where 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 where's is the Sunday <laughs> ranch?
2: <laughs> no, I've got old Jimmy Stewart. Would you Stewart? just write,
1: write down your your address for me? Whoa! <laughs> I'm never going to be able to do a plane view on command. <laughs> I,
2: I am so surprised this podcast has not yet devolved into just plain view impressions. We're, we're really disciplined. Uh, OK, so, so Paul gives him the information. And Daniel takes H.W. and scopes it out under the guise of being on a quail hunt. And uh, sure enough, they find that there is evidence of a bunch of oil in this area. And so they go to the Sunday Ranch, and surprise, surprise, they meet someone who looks exactly like Paul Sunday, but not Paul Sunday.
3: Not Paul Sunday? Not, not at Paul all? Sunday.
2: Not in the slightest? Not a bit. This is...
3: i gotta, I got to interject with, like, the uh, the, uh, the acting, and like, Daniel, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis. I forgot, yeah, so you have Daniel and Paul, who, I guess, both their real names are Daniel and Paul.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, right. I didn't wow.
3: realize that. Right, right. so, uh, like, uh, the acting in that is, is like so well done because it's really, really subtle but the way that he kind of like looks him over but I don't know. The acting in this movie is like a master class. Oh my means, God, yes. And uh, subtlety but I kind of want to take it back to the beginning because like, Sure. I guess we've kind of we've like outlined, you know, this this world that this movie exists in, right? Right. But, uh, like, um, from what I saw in the beginning, it's kind of like, it's almost like Genesis, kind of like a creation myth parallel. I love that. Well, because he, like, spits on, like, a lifeless rock, and then he falls down into an abyss, like this primordial dirt bubble that he's, you know... um, I guess I'm, like, kind of, like, uh, skipping to the part where, you know, he's mining by himself. But, um, you know, one of the cool things that I saw was with the, um, with uh, his adopted son, or stolen, I don't know how it works, <laughs> in the <laughs> law. Uh, they actually, they actually like, uh, um, his father uh, still being alive, like, when they, once they strike uh, oil gold or whatever, a Texas tea. <laughs> Actually, takes his like hand, dips it in the oil, and kind of like anoints D.W. or H.W. Like with, black with the oil, gold so might a, be a
1: might be a way to put it.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Um. So, uh, this whole movie is kind of like, um, Daniel Plainview's ascension through wealth and residential isolation. You know. Mm. Indeed. Um, yeah. It's pretty, much, it's pretty much the movie, but it's, it's like one of those movies where, like, nothing, like, nothing grand happens. It's, all, it's, it's kind of like a, it's a movie of, like, character actors.
1: Right. Absolutely. It, it's a story. It, yeah. it's, essentially, uh, it's about this guy, he gets a bunch of wells, he has a son, he doesn't get along with many people, he meets his brother later on, and then he kills everybody. <laughs>
2: Yeah, so here, I, I think I can hit, like, the key plot points from here, because it's like... I just did. He finds... <laughs> basically, he he finds this little place, New Boston, and it's just like, it's a nothing town. It's a shitty desert town, and he brings the wells in and helps it to kind of flourish. And the result of all that money pouring in is that Eli also is now able to kind of have a base because more people are coming into the town... And really the key conflict of the movie for me uh, is kind of Daniel's business dealings versus this church that's rising up and their kind of character actor relationship to each other. And then the other thing that happens is uh, a a brother shows up who's actually not his brother, uh, but for a while he has this uh, (laughs) brother named Henry, long lost brother who he uses as his business partner when his son, H.W., is made deaf by a mining explosion or an oil derrick explosion and uh, Daniel sends him away he abandons his child let's, let's hear it in plain view speak
1: good i
2: abandoned my child I've abandoned my child
1: I've, I've abandoned my child
2: <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah yeah give me the blood <laughs> Abandoned my child it's All very <laughs> regular I'm an oil man and um, and so he eventually kills Henry when he learns that he's not his brother because he doesn't know this random little fact about the town where they grew up. The peach tree dance.
1: Yes. Let's go to the
2: peach. So no, get dance. look it up and go to the peach. I, I just keep
1: now I sound like James Mason. <laughs> I can't do it. And, <laughs> no.
2: yeah, and then eventually he gets his son back, gets him a tutor, and the years kind of pass by at that point because Daniel's gotten what he wanted, which is to build this pipeline to the sea so that he can get extra rich, not have to pay the railroads. Um, And we skip forward to, I think, the late 20s, because they're talking about the crash, the the Wall Street crash is alluded to by Eli, who seems to have suffered for it. And um, Daniel finally does the thing that he's wanted to do from the very beginning, which is to murder Eli. Which he does with a bowling pin. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And then he says he's finished.
2: And, a- and he does drink his movie. And then the movie's
1: finished. And so is the movie, yes, exactly. Oh. Quite right, quite right. Oh. Um, so this is the part where we do, Hey, how do we like it? So I'm, I'm gonna play a little segment here. Hey, 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 how do we like it? Hey, Kyan, how did you like this movie?
3: Oh, I loved it.
1: Very much? A little bit? Um. <laughs> a little more, a little less?
3: <laughs> oh, okay. You want me to like disrupt me? Um, what did you like? I watched I watched the movie and it um brought me to such an a uh a state of bliss that I no, I, I really, really like the movie. <laughs> I'm like such a huge fan of uh Daniel uh character. I think um, um I think it's it's one of the I think it's one of the best movies ever made. And I think it's um kind of like a foreshadowing of all the uh you know I think it's good I, I don't know. I don't I have like kind of like it's an A D D way of talking or like salt way of talking. But I I think it kind of describes the the billionaire archetype pretty uh pretty succinctly.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: And so um I uh, I I love I love all the characters in this film. I think it's I think well aside from the soundtrack which I love to listen to, I think it's like the perfect movie.
1: Yeah, the score was really cool too, Brady. Uh, oh, yeah. Do you want to give it a um, a letter grade at the end there, if you had to? Well, I'll
3: give it an I'll give it an A. I would give it an A plus, but uh, younger people, I guess, they like uh, Transformers or whatever. <laughs> Anybody that I talk to that's in their twenties have seen this movie, it's like damn, nothing happens.
2: Man, <laughs> yeah, those Daniel Plainview action figures just stayed on the shelves.
1: <laughs> well what, what do you think Brady how did you like it
2: oh I, I'm with Kyan all the way I think it is a perfect movie it's probably it's like one of the movies where if you ask the question what's the best movie of the new century new century that's already feeling pretty old um, it's probably like the consensus pick and probably is, it's probably the best movie of the century I mean it's, it's in that level um and i know that there's going to be time to talk more about this but i guess i'll just say that like i'm all about the gestalt of this film like kyan um and i think it says powerful things but also like if i go and try to deconstruct it just like you know like a checklist an itinerary like how's each element of this thing like every element is perfect it's like some of the best cinematography i've ever seen uh the score is just like amazing and inventive and the performance is just like an all-timer. It's, it's basically got every single element a film can have is like A-plus filet mignon level. Uh, I love it. It's an A-plus. Great, great movie.
1: I and t- Robert? I, too, also like this movie. I, I really, really liked it the first time I saw it in 2007. I have to say I, was, um, I wasn't as uh, into it this time. I still think it's very good. Um I just didn't like it as much as I did the first time I saw it. The first time I saw it I was totally like engulfed and entranced and 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 just so into it. And this time I was like, yeah, this movie. I like it. I like uh I like Daniel Day Lewis. And um mm-hmm. I like uh I like period pieces in general. I I, I really enjoy the fact that it's kind of got uh, almost a little bit of Kubrick uh, wrapped in it the bowling alley at the end strikes me as a Kubrick uh, Sort of thing and also the the score. Yeah, well, uh, and
2: the opening too is so like it reminds me of 2001
1: Yeah, I mean it struck me as almost um, You know, I really like Paul Thomas Anderson. I like Magnolia. I like uh, uh, other movies he's done <laughs> as well but uh, <laughs> my brain is of course just going drawing a blank when I was coming up with the next one at any rate <laughs> um, but um, uh, it struck me as not what I was expecting from P.T. Anderson to be honest I was like oh this is this is this is uh, a little more periody, a little more this and that and that's not a bad thing I was just struck by that sort of difference it's it's not like magnolia or it's not like um no why am i blanking boogie on nights boogie nights
2: thank
3: you boogie nights
1: like yeah any other yeah. kind of
2: movie um so yeah it's a pretty stark like pivot from something like well I, I guess the between magnolia and this you get punch drunk love which is like i think totally its own oh beast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah a really great movie um but yeah, like it's I think at this point it's like a shift for him where because next after this he makes The Master. So he's making I think you're right to say very Kubrickian films and like kind of tearing into like America's uh I don't know, <laughs> toxic relationship with religion and power.
1: Yes. So I give it an A. minus.
2: Okay, that's Which not bad. Which is fairly high. For I, I me. was so
1: worried the B plus was coming. <laughs> no, no, it's definitely in the <laughs> A range. Um, I I think it's a, a an excellent film. It's not a absolutely perfect film. It's just so close. That's all.
2: Very good.
3: Well, so what 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 is your what is your A pluses? Just so I can. I don't think I'm, I'm give it uh... a... <laughs>
1: I you have given really like A's. One of those. I'm a what dick. It stinks. <laughs> they all stink. No. Did, you
2: gave an A you given a to paper moon. I
1: did. I did give an A. Yeah.
2: I think you gave an A to Chinatown. Uh
1: that might have been a B plus A minus. China. Oh. Chinatown. Chinatown B minus you gave a B minus to
3: Chinatown.
1: No, I think I gave a B plus or A minus to Chinatown. Okay.
3: I thought it would have been an A plus if Rowan Plancy wouldn't have made that that weird cameo. <laughs> well, I mean to be honest,
1: if I had if I had seen this back when we did Chinatown, I probably would have just given it an A plus. But uh, you know I I now don't enjoy movies anymore. <laughs>
3: so this movie essentially is like a precursor to Chinatown. Like even uh, John Houston's character, like that's Daniel fucking Plainview. Yeah. I I in so. Chinatown. <laughs> yeah. But but uh all P Thomas P uh P. Thomas Anderson's films, they're like all set in California, right?
2: Oh yeah. They I, didn't the, I,
3: I didn't see the I d I didn't see the Phantoms
1: red,
2: right? Oh like, wait, no, that's an, okay, that one's in England.
1: Yeah. And this one's in Oh, okay, on the East Coast ish, right?
2: But like almost all of them. Uh no this is in California. It's like in the kind of No this uh, is in California. Oh okay.
1: Yeah. Shows so like, so uh, how much I was say, paying it's attention.
2: you <laughs> He's out by like Bakersfield.
1: After. Okay. Oh, he okay, he's on this side of the uh the Central Valley. Okay, I got gotcha. you. Um but yes, I I really like it and 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 things like that. <laughs> um I actually liked it when I was, I liked it more when I was scrolling through it today to kind of get ready for this than I did when we watched it four weeks ago.
2: Uh, it's, it's a lot of movie. It's like, a, a, yeah, it's an epic movie. What is it, it's two and a half hours? What is, yeah, long? I think it's
1: like 238, 245, yeah. something like that, something crazy. Um, well, yeah, let's talk about the the opening a little bit. Well, okay, we, we do What's It All About, huh?
0: Yeah, w- 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 what's it all about?
1: Kyan, what's this movie all about? Brady, what's this movie all about? <laughs> what is it really about? Is it just a story or is it about something deeper? Is it trying to exhibit a theme through its pictures and its sounds and its acting and its... <laughs>
2: I don't know. Kyan, do you want uh, to go? Uh, I feel like there's I'll a whole lot. <laughs> All right. <Yeah. laughs> Brady, do you want to go first? Okay. I've got
1: some notes if, if if you need some time to collect your... your <laughs> okay. There,
2: there are so many... There are a lot of choices of, of what this is about, and I'm sure we'll cover more of them later in the cast. Uh, if I had to pick something, though, um, to me, it's kind of... Uh, a myth of of america as being uh you know i think of that line in platoon where he talks about like the two generals that like raised him um (laughs) which is that's a random reference to make but i think it's about america kind of caught between the two specters of like unfettered capitalism on the one hand and then religion on the other and it's kind of about this like sick almost symbiotic but also like very distrusting relationship between big business and big money and religion and how they're kind of similar Uh, because what I love what you see from the very start with Daniel is like he sees that religion is kind of just like him in a way like it's just this excuse to make money but he hates it because to Daniel I think he's at least providing a service like he is making this town grow and Producing oil. He might be a horrible human being who doesn't have much else to contribute other than money, but when he looks at religion and looks at uh, Eli, you can tell he's just like, okay, this is all a sham. Like, you're not even selling anything. You're selling nothing. And it's kind of like, don't bullshit a bullshitter, kind of. Because <laughs> I think he's looking, he's like, what? This is, why would anyone go for this? I hate you. I want to destroy you. Like, you yeah so so my take is like it's it's about that relationship and kind of just like all the rich like contradictions of it well,
1: Eli's there quite a bit for somebody who's just supposed to be another guy in town yeah <laughs> like he's kind of a pervasive presence right
2: he's a pervasive presence, and yeah Daniel doesn't trust him he he it's like uh actually what it makes me think of is uh fight club where Norton kind of says when the uh, Helena Bonham Carter walks in that he can't lie when another liar's present. Mm. And like, Eli is kind of throwing a light on probably the shittier things about Daniel in some ways, I think. Well, I'm, I'm sure there's something symbolic there too,
1: given that he is a twin. And so you have Paul, the the one twin, uh, and yeah. then Eli, the other twin. Um, Paul kind of exits the story stage left and doesn't come back, actually in the book, paul like goes off and fights world war one joins the communist party and comes back and tries to change everybody to communism uh but the the book being um (laughs) oil by upton sinclair which this takes like the first little um piece of but it's kind of very different and diverges you know forks in the road before it gets there but i did read up on on what happens in the book and who the characters are i'm just like "What, what 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 really goes on here
2: come on yeah okay so but that to me is what it's about is like kind of it's it's like presenting itself and kind of like you know calling a home run it's like a very bold thing for this movie to do it's really betting on its own greatness in a lot of ways but i think it presents itself as like an essential uh like superhero story of like how we got to where we are in america and that like those are the things that drive us our materialism and religion
1: yes indeed yes uh what do you think kyan is there like a central message to this or is it just a story or what's up um can you guys hear me all right yeah i can hear you great can you hear us okay okay
3: yes yeah i think uh i hate to say it i think uh this movie is not about religion or money or any of that i think it's about um human nature because, like, you can kind of look at, Daniel Day-Luz's character isn't, like, he never exhibit you never see him be gaudy or act like Nouveau Riche, he's not, uh, like, the, uh, the classic American sense, you know, you can watch, um, uh, Bay and, uh, yeah, that movie Babe where, uh, uh Goodman plays, uh, you know, Babe Ruth. He's like, once he gets his first, get, first start getting rich, he start starts kind of going like apeshit with his money. You never really see that with Daniel uh, playing doesn't act like a new money all-star. Um, uh, yeah, not at all. Um, He's got like his own set of rules is, for some reason
1: or, or reasons what, or something like that, right?
3: Yeah. I guess I'll be like the resident uh, conspiracy theorist of the group. But, um, you know, I watched uh, Magnolia. I remember that. Scene where like, you know, uh zoom in on the Freemason ring out of nowhere, and you know, I don't have any thoughts about that group, good or bad. But <laughs> what I saw in Daniel Plainview, um, was uh, this movie is a roadmap on how to ascend <laughs> into the Af- It's like an Egyptian uh, myth, you know. So you can see clearly, like at the beginning, where. Um, when he's talking to DW as as a child that can like walk or whatever, DW puts his hand on his heart. It's like DW or HW? HW. HW, yeah. sorry. Uh, the, the, like the, the bastard in a, a basket. <laughs> yeah,
2: he prefers bastard yeah, in a yeah. basket.
3: Yeah, he puts his, uh, he puts his, um um, DW, uh, HW is his heart, you know, that's his heart shock or whatever. And it's like, once you kind of watch the movie and you see that part, oh kind of skipping it around it's like you know you can study any spiritual system and their correspondences or whatever, but that's pretty much what it is and um um it, it's about authenticity uh um he's an honest liar archetype or whatever, but he has his goal, which is basically to be in his own heaven and um you know there's the famous um the famous thing in the Egyptian mythos was like when you die, they weigh your heart. If it's like lighter than, if it's not lighter than a feather, you get eaten up by you know this crocodile or whatever. So it's like uh, you can't bring any of the stuff from your old world, you know, to the afterlife. So that final scene with him and D.W. and he's like You're just a patch of that It's like he's not bringing anybody or anything from that previous world that got him into his heaven. That's how I saw that's how I saw the movie. Yeah. But he's not a, he's not a bad dude. Like, um, especially if uh that that one scene where um uh he tells Mary's dad no more hitting Right. Like he didn't have to do that. Like the guy has a moral compass and uh the character of uh, Eli is kind of like um like the Egyptian set. So he's kind of like just there to put a, you know, a monkey wrench in his machine and he just kind of maneuvers around it. But even, you know, uh, um, even his, uh, he never really had an issue with religion. He had an issue with Eli. Right. Uh, he he allowed, you know. Well, I, I think uh, Daniel Plainview is like, not, uh, I wouldn't even consider him an anti- yeah, I would consider him to be like one of the most fair characters in most of cinema history, but I'm biased.
1: Um, I really like that because you basically, um, and then what Brady said, the combination of what you're saying is kind of where I'm at. Um, I was re scanning through it today and wondering, just like, um, okay, wait, why is this movie called There Will Be Blood? Right, and a lot mm-hmm. of people look at this and go, well, there will be blood because oil brought o- um, um, uh, out all the bad stuff, dude, and unfettered capitalism and this and that. And then other people will say, like, well, there will be blood because that guy's gonna fucking kill some people, dude. Didn't you watch the movie? <laughs> like, some people gonna die or this and that. And so I, I kind of pondered that for a little bit, and I think it um, that both of what you guys are saying is true. And that really what it is, is it's kind of about the dichotomy between him and Eli. And he looks at, um, I mean, there's a lot of mentions of blood uh, in different manners. You know, he's in church saying, give me the blood, you know, give me the blood of Christ. Or at one point he says, like, I drink the blood of the lamb from Bandy's tract every day. Um, All this, you know, given that they don't outright say anything. I think the idea is that, like, he essentially looks at blood as the giving up of things. Like, um, that H.W. had to lose his father, that's the blood he paid for this business. And that he had to lose H.W. and H.W. had to lose his hearing, that's the blood that he paid for this business. And um, that Eli, who's a person who's like, I will give you the blood of Christ and blah, 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 but it comes from nowhere, and that's what angers him so much about it. He's just like, this, this motherfucker didn't give up shit, he's just taking it from me, I gave up so much, like, to build all this stuff. And then, also, he ends up entirely without blood, without blood relatives. His, his brother who comes in turns out to be fake. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he doesn't really have a son that's a real son. He doesn't have anybody to pass all this stuff that he suffered for and that all the other people around him suffered for too. So he has no blood. And then, of course, there's the bloodshed that comes from, you know, what happens with all this stuff. And, and uh, yeah. all in all, it's a, it's a film about transition from, like Brady said, the old ways of church and religion and this and that to the machine and the uh, Industrial Revolution and, and all that kind of stuff. Uh, which brings with it capitalism and markets and... Blah, 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 blah.
2: <laughs>
3: <laughs> right?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, th- I think uh, there's... Ky- oh, sorry, Kyan, go ahead.
3: Oh, I, was, I, you know, I just see uh, Plain as was a guy who just doesn't want people in his way,
2: you know?
3: <laughs> like I think he just wants to be the captain of his own show. I mean, like, they never ever show, like, a female love interest... Yeah, you know, you're not like really interested in in women, so it's like no. Upton Sinclair's Model, which which I didn't read because uh, I don't read <laughs> <laughs> is is uh, is probably more about you know capitalism and stuff like this. But I think um, this movie is not about capitalism and or religion really at at all. It's about I, I don't know, I'm just gonna say something else
1: no but, I, but i'm I'm with you on that. It's just that like these are things that they use as examples of whatever they are i mean i and I'm also right. with you on the whole. he doesn't care about anybody, remember he's got that whole speech where he's just like i I hate most people
2: well, yeah, see that to me is where i mean I think this movie like exists in a complex place, and i don't I don't think Daniel's a villain per se, but I think he's He's a complex character in American mythmaking because if you take that phrase, you know, I don't, I don't like most people, and I think we've basically identified at this point, as Kyan said, that he, he's someone who doesn't want to be tied down by people. He, he doesn't have a blood son, but he's a very wealthy man. I'm sure he could have that if he wanted to, but he doesn't want to, and that's to me where it's kind of. It may be caught between like the more cynical take on American wealth and You know accumulating material where it's like entirely Devoid of thinking about other people, but then it, that's also kind of in the back words of uh, ver- American myths that we've taken as positive like individualism and rugged rugged individualism making your own way and maybe that's why he never you know, puts on fancy clothing or anything. Maybe to Daniel, he just always wants to be that hardworking miner, that guy just gutting it out. What's important to him isn't what he can get with the material; it's winning the game of material ascension.
1: Well, like he said, he said he wants to make enough money so he can get away from everybody. That's
2: his. O- I think that's his only goal. He finally gets the mansion, and he, and he does put luxuries in it. But I think the goal to him is just to. This is also, to me, where I feel like it has something to say on capitalism because something I observe in Daniel is he's a dominator. Like, what he really wants to do in every situation, you know, I think of that scene in the oil field where he basically... He does owe Eli money, and Eli comes around asking for it, um, and Daniel just throws him into the oil field and (laughs) drags him through the mud. And I think that's talking about how... You know the more sinister aspect of our rugged pioneer myth is that um, this need to kind of dominate people and to be to be the last man standing, um, and so it makes sense that at the end it's just Daniel in a pool of Eli's blood, no relatives at all, no ties to anything.
3: Well, but Daniel is a more uh, honest character than Eli, and he keeps. He keeps his word to everybody except for Eli because Eli has nothing but uh, larceny.
2: See, I love that because, like, for all of Daniel's faults, I think what he's thinking is, like, but I am who I say I am. Like, there's no trick here. I say I'll produce oil. Oil pops from the ground. What the fuck is this asshole doing making up stories? He's not contributing anything.
0: You need me here so I can go blow gold all over the place.
2: (laughs) (laughs) That's why at the end he's like, no, see... uh, that's a, another take on the blood thing. I, I think it has like multiple meanings in the movie, but if we take blood as like you know lifeblood, like, what has value, at the end, he's screaming at Eli like, you know what, motherfucker? I'm the fucking god here. I'm the Church of the Third Revelation because I actually make something. I've, I've made something of myself, and I've you know, helped this town to grow, and you're just a sham.
1: Yeah, and for some reason in my notes, I don't know where I was going with this. I said, not only is Eli a charlatan evangelist healer, he's sexually harassing old ladies. (laughs) Wait, is that... (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where I got that from, but I wrote it here, so it must be true.
3: Well, he doesn't sexually harass them. He kind of like... Like teeth, you know. Old people are devoid of like touch and stuff like that. So he like rubs his hands on them. I don't think he's like sexually harassed harassing them. Although at the uh, end he says, "I've done some bad things." Yeah,
2: I wonder. Oh,
3: oh, here, here
1: it is. I put a box around it. Um, uh, Apparently, I just misheard something he was saying. It says, "The devil is in your hands, and I will fuck it out."
0: I wrote that. It's a quote.
1: It's a quote. uh, He says it. He says it at some point when he's healing somebody. (laughs) Just thought I'd bring that to the discussion of what's it all about, just so we can ruminate on
2: that. I mean, when he says bad things. um... Oh, sorry. Um, I mean, okay. Oh, For, I mean, I guess when he says bad things, what do you guys think? Do you think first thing your mind goes to is, you know, the bad thing the church normally? To, to me, it gets... goes to the
1: quote I wrote down that he said, "The devil is in your hands, and <laughs> <laughs> I will fucking." I've
2: been fucking old women's hands. <laughs> Very good <laughs> <laughs>
3: I I don't
0: know what churches you guys have been going to. I didn't, I, didn't, <laughs> no, I, mean, I didn't get
2: that. It, the first thing, like especially since they're so like winky alluding about it, is like pedophilia, right? Like that's the first thing I would think if a church person has, uh, as he says, like gotten into kind of sinful behavior that is mm-hmm. not looked favorably upon by God. Like first right, indications right. of of the church's... Uh, problem with pedophilia in this country and other countries too. But
3: Well, I, I also got to be fair, guys. I mean, uh, I guess pedophilia is like a big buzzword nowadays. But QAnon cults and all that. I, I do have to say that, you know, uh, kids get abused uh, just as much in public schools as they do uh, churches. But I just want to be fair.
2: That's a fair to, point, uh, to raise. <laughs> that, <laughs> like, that is very I,
3: true. I don't want to, I don't uh, but old, know. But old ladies' hands
1: get fucked more in churches. <laughs> yeah,
2: I, yeah. This is Rob's presidential platform. <laughs> probably uh, probably better that way, because
3: it kind of just stops the hand touching.
2: <laughs> well, be, it's be good alluded, to know wanna... yeah, where to go if you're an old lady and you want your hands fucked.
1: Go yeah. to church. I, I've got some other boxes yeah. here. I wrote gravity-powered harpoon. Which I rather liked, but that's that's the drilling mechanism he uses at the beginning. Sorry, am I, am I derailing this?
2: No, no. I think <laughs> I, we're talking about the movie. Uh, no, no, you're doing good, man.
3: I'm I'm uh, I'm uh, kind of like looking through my notes here, and I guess this has nothing to do with the movie. But I did write it, <laughs> yeah, during the during Best the scene where. Uh, where he was, you know, I'll I'll gum it and suck it, you know. The drama. I did write, Paul Dano should play Hitler in a movie. (laughs) Oh, man. (laughs) He he would be a
1: pretty good Hitler. I could see him. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Get out on meth chocolates. (laughs) Yeah. Not letting uh, this (laughs) lady (laughs) get (laughs) a word edgewise.
3: The oil, though. The oil, though that uh, the blood is um, a very, very big theme in this movie. And oil, of course, is the blood of the planet, you know.
2: Yes. Um uh-huh.
3: And as I said at the beginning, like, like, D.W. gets anointed, or H.W. gets anointed with, I keep on thinking of that goddamn D.W. Uh, Griffith. <laughs> but he gets anointed with the, with the blood of, of the, of a. but in, if we're going to talk like sexual innuendo, it's like, <laughs> um, I'm seeing what are. I what I did see is a uh, there's kind of like this like weird underlying sexual theme to this movie because when you have when you look at the uh, machines that are mining this oil you know you have like a big old dark shaft going down in this hole or whatever and then it just keeps on hitting it and hitting it and hitting it and squirts out all over the place and you know that that gives life so you know there is. Uh, there is a so I I mention this because um, uh, and just harkens back to why I think that Daniel Plainview isn't even an anti-hero. I think he's just a straight up good dude. Um, um, well, Eli the preacher, his uh, his uh, stuff is very very earthly and carnal, and um, the stuff that Plainview is doing is actually like giving life. And he isn't, um, he doesn't get in the way of people's own personal peccadilloes unless they're in their way or in agreement of competition. Like, you know, his, his uh, oil rivals. But he lets people be who they are, you know. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't <laughs>
1: even fuck with H.W. until he tries to, like, light his brother on fire. <laughs> his not-brother. right.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, so that's the thing to me. But shouldn't he have
1: forgiven H.W. then? Because he was just like, oh, shit, he was right.
2: So, like, that is that to me is both, like, the value and the character flaw of Plainview is, like, like his last name. He's a plain-spoken guy. There's no trickery. He just wants to make money and help his region grow. Um, and, And he's so simple about it that I don't even think, like, obviously we've gotten into he the entire movie until the end doesn't have any real material possessions. You know, he gets a steak, but hey, we'd all get a steak if we were rich. Um, but, um, yeah. so he's plain spoken and like honest in that way, which is why he doesn't like the church, which their whole thing is subterfuge. Um, but the problem is he's also so simple and focused that his obsession with competition is something he can't divorce himself from. So that eventually like, the, the big tell for me is like his son starting a business now, like any normal human being who's a father in this country, I think would probably be proud of their child for doing that. But the idea of plain is he is so he is such a pure distillation of the pioneer spirit of the like, I'm for me, I'm going to make my way as best I can to try to win this game that he can't take that step that seems like such a common sense thing, to make an exception for his child, because it's like, no, no, you're starting an oil business. That is counter to what I do. There will literally, as a result of your business, be less resources for me. Like, I won't abide it. And so his flaw is... But Mr. Brady,
3: Mr. Brady, Mr. (laughs) Brady, I must interject.
2: Oh, yes, please do. I've gone on long enough.
3: In in this, uh, but in in this movie, though, with the, the, like... DW has a wife. Yeah, HW has a wife, and that now ties him to. That now ties him into the web of life, which Daniel has no interest in. He just wants to keep his own. He just wants to keep his own energy, so he rejects him. I don't think that um, HW would ever. Uh, be able to rival his father in business I and mean, his father knows that but i think um i think it was a uh what was that like a literary device or something like that by by th- that scene is is like in in keeping claims steadfast to his like i want to be alone well uh, there there you go i just have the impression i want to be alone, I want to be alone. <laughs> yes, <laughs>
2: yes yes <laughs> i want to be alone don't bother me i have a bowling alley
3: Yeah, so you know, HW has has this wife, and it's like that's complicated. Kids and like that. He's like, like I didn't get in this game to be tethered to anything else. I get in this game to be untethered. Uh, You know.
2: Yeah. No. Absolutely.
1: Actually, a a little tidbit: um, the real life person that Plainview is. Well. Plainview is based on somebody in the in the book that Upton Sinclair wrote, and then there's a real life person, and his son did go to Mexico and make an oil company.
2: So, <laughs> uh, so, so like how oh. how does that narrative compare to the movie's narrative?
1: Well, I think that was um, what was he gonna go do in the movie?
2: Uh, guess, yeah, he was gonna go question. to Mexico, right? S- and start a yeah start an oil operation
1: yeah so
3: just, start <laughs> just too. a
1: little side tidbit i mean i think it works better as a plot device and it's not really necessary to know that i just thought i would bring it up i mean <laughs> you know, I, I was just
2: curious if like you know comparing them if there was any interesting like differences or
1: i, but I, guess I don't just, know that
2: much about it i guess it's <laughs> I just, was you, just bringing up a little unlike t- bit. unlike this movie I, I guess you just see it happen right yeah. you, you get to see what happens once he once hw leaves
3: uh, Did you guys notice the uh, vanishing point motif in the film?
2: N- um, no, perhaps not. Please tell me. Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, well,
3: uh, I, I don't know how do to describe a vanishing point? Because this isn't like it's like um, like the horizon two, shots and two, stuff, right? Yeah, it's like two V's uh, intersecting, one pointing down, one pointing up, and then like it kind of like forms like a diamond in the middle. Mm. uh you know um, and so it's like after if you know if this was like a series on t v like I guess like at the end of every episode you you would see a vanishing point With how this movie um this is how this movie works. I think the first one that you see is um oh actually uh uh when that big old black shaft uh, goes down into the well in the beginning and then you know spurts out oil. Um, you kind of see it uh then other times it'll be um on the light fixtures or on a mug or something like that but every time it's like transitioning to a new epoch or era within the story like you see a vanishing point so uh psychologically you know uh what it's what kind of what helps makes the movie. flows so well because it's telling your subconscious to close the door on that scene and then go forward. and you know, this next scene. That's why everything seems so methodically, um, uh, you know, fluid in this film. Just, wow. You guys have to rewatch. it. I'm not crazy. I swear. No, no, I'm, yeah, no,
1: I see, I, I see what you mean. I'm pulling up some images right here on our monitor. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, um, you keep bringing up this thing that I really like and agree with about uh, this film. is it, it is about transition, right? You were talking about the machines earlier. And, you know, he, mm-hmm. he starts out with the gravity-powered harpoon, as I said. And then eventually he gets, like, you know, the the thing that's actually pumping and drilling. And, you know, he, uh, even from the beginning scene, you know, he's just down there digging. And then he, like, draws out the little plan for the the thing. And, and you notice these... Uh, you know, they get more and more advanced. Sometimes they have gears in them now and they're using them to haul up the buckets of oil and then eventually he's making a pipeline. And, you know, like, so transitions is definitely kind of a a reoccurring theme in this this here film.
2: See, that's uh, something that I think is kind of interesting is, like, we all agree, I don't think Daniel really cares very much about what he possesses. He's not one... He's so honest that he's not one to front. He's not, not moving forward. He doesn't want like status, he just wants to win. And so, and so we commented on, on the bowling alley, which is like, okay, that's, you know, a pretty luxe item to have in your house. But maybe the significance of it being in the film isn't to be like, oh, like, look how opulent Daniel is. But to kind of like, to me, it really aids that feeling, that like great sweeping feeling of transition to the film. We start, I imagine, probably in a time in American history where there aren't even cars. And most of it is in this kind of just, like, boom town. Like, it doesn't even look anything like a civilization we recognize. And then by the end, the guy has a bowling alley in its house. So it's like yeah, like a lot yeah. of progress yeah. happening. Well, there are
1: cars. When he d- ditches you yeah. on the train, he gets in a car <laughs> and drives Well, away. that's <laughs> the
2: thing. I think, like, we start from a time when that doesn't exist and... Yeah, because this movie does have such a sweep of, of time feeling to it.
1: Oh, as an aside, I have a question for you guys about him ditching H.W. on the train. Mm-hmm. Now, theoretically, he was going oh, yeah. to his school and stuff, but there wasn't anybody there with him, and he didn't tell him. So, <laughs> like, he tries to run off the train, and I'm guessing that was the conductor or, or the you know one of the engineers or something just went like, Oh, you stupid kid, <laughs> he told me to run off the thing. Um, Somebody just met him at the station, right? I
3: have have a theory about this. I have a theory about this. At the end of the film, after he's like, Bastard from a basket! Bastard from a basket! Um, They show a flashback of H.W. pressing Daniel's heart. Right? Mm
0: -hmm.
3: So, um, the whole thing was, like, I'm going to call this movie an alchemical tale. And even... um, uh and even if you tie that into the egyptian uh theme of like you know the afterlife or whatever it's kind of like like he sent his heart he sent his heart away and uh there was no reason like the fact that he killed his brother his fake brother and then killed eli and he was already rich man like he could have just had eli taken out yeah you know he he had Uh, had the power uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, he had the power. He didn't. He didn't wield it. You know, it's not. It's not. It's not in his nature. But I think. Um, I think the fact that it showed Daniel having guilt by sending his heart away, um, and then eventually, you know, uh, essentially making a deal with the devil, which is Bandy, um, to join this church, and, and then and then have this happen. It's it, it kind of like hit. It's kind of like him calling his heart back. And then, of course, at the end, you know, he's built his heaven, so the heart is weighed and sent away, and Daniel stays, you know. Yeah, I but like I, that. I, I, yeah. Another
1: interesting thought I, I have about it, too, is when he goes to the church to conve like, Bandy wants him to go join the church to get relieved of the sin of killing the dude because he finds him by the grave, right? The shallow grave he dug. But he just goes in there and confesses the actual thing he's kind of upset about, you know? Right, right. He he doesn't say, I'm sorry, I've sinned, I killed that dude. Yeah, no,
2: absolutely. He he feels a hundred percent, a thousand percent worse about sending H.W. off than he does for killing uh, the con man who was pretending to be his brother.
3: Yeah. Right, because... So, and in in a weird way, this makes uh, Daniel Plainview actually a Christian character, because Jesus is like, you know, you can look at any of the Catholic iconography, it's like the heart path, so it's like, Daniel's like, I want my, Daniel cries for his heart back, which is like, he's actually, he's actually, he's actually doing something actually truly Christian, whereas, you know, that, that uh, shifty uh, Eli guy is just, you know, thinking that he won over on uh, on, on Plainview and has under his thumb. Um, but Daniel does the right thing, called H.W. back. He didn't... In the beginning, you know, uh, he's using H.W. Uh, to kind of, like, neuro, neuro-linguistic program the people around him to make it look like his beard, you know? Like, I'm a straight guy. I'm, like, a... Uh, you know, I'm a family man. And it's not until that he... Sends HW away almost like an object that he that he realizes HW's uh, or yeah HW's value.
1: Well, maybe also lost. motivated by the the burning <laughs> the place down.
2: Well, no, but he he sends well, him away. Well, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off that.
3: entirely. Go ahead. Well, yeah, but that's what the but that's what. Um, you know, in psychology, the heart and the head, like, it's, it's, that's kind of what your heart does. And so that's like, um, that whole episode is like, um, uh, plain view battling his ego. It's mm. like, I'm, I want to have a brother. It's, it's, he's being tempted in this weird way. It's like, I want to have a brother, and that's going to tie him to this physical world or whatever. HW, his heart goes, like, uh uh-uh. uh, like, this isn't right. So, uh, you know how you subconsciously, you know, put yourself in things that you know isn't good for you, you know, date mm-hmm. like some girl or whatever, and then the whole house metaphorically burns down, mm. uh, or something, you know, that's the relationship between anybody and the heart, where it's like your head is trying to make something real out of what it's seeing, and your heart is just like, I'm gonna make you act out before say like the wrong thing, or you say like, hey, your mother's breath kind of stinks out of nowhere, and it's like, why, why would I do that, I'm so stupid, um and so he tries to uh you know um so he tries to cast hw away so he can have this illusory uh worldly life with his brother and like you know for the first time in the movie like you see uh daniel have an interest in women let's go lick it up and you know
1: oh i thought he was just uh, giving his brother the last hurrah before he iced him
3: <laughs> well. He, that no point, no no that's that's the scene where he realizes he realizes that him and his brother are not of the same nature
1: yeah
3: uh uh because whatever uh, you know if you if you're raised by the same father or abandoned by the same same, same father or whatever there's gonna be some similarities. You're um, probably bonding with women isn't going to be the <laughs> the best, well, you know. So he realize that they're not of the same nature, and that's when I think he uh, uh, asked him, you know, questions about the house, well, and then just iced him.
1: Yeah. An- another uh, a thing about the fire, too, is I kind of looked at that as... Um, uh, his loss of control over H. W. because ever since he got injured, he couldn't tell him what to do, and he couldn't like he's always saying, "Do you understand?" Do you like you, because he's not talking and he's not hearing, you know? And that's the way that he was able to kind of control and, you know, so to further your metaphor, I, to rein in his own his own heart, I guess.
3: I don't think uh, I actually okay. So that's something that kind of like weirded me out when I first saw the film, it was like. um how do, they, do you guys both talk to old people that often, or did you?
1: Um, yeah, I mean my my grandfather. I, I remember spending long periods of time oh, just yes, listening yeah. to him say whatever he wanted to. You know, stuff like
3: that. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to repeat it on here. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but um, no. Well, what, what uh, what was really really strange was um how good the communication like uh whenever i talk to old people um they talk about getting their ass kicked by their parents like pretty regularly yeah and it's (laughs) um it's something don
0: Viet and again
3: at at misery lounge shout out
0: (laughs)
1: yeah yeah
3: (laughs) um the fact that daniel um, you don't see that relationship, the, the relationship between him and HW is very egalitarian. I think he gives HW um, a pretty big leash to be his own person, and I think there's a genuine respect they have, which I don't I've never heard of that um, type of relationship um, especially in that in that paradigm. and um, you can it, it kind of gets reinforced with the no more hitting thing scene with um, Mary Sunday's papa, you know. Um, so uh, I don't think that uh, I. I think that um, he was probably really, really good dad to HW, and they generally had like respect. I think the loss of control thing was more so because HW couldn't like talk, but I just think that Daniel just didn't want to confront the fact that that guy wasn't really his brother. Like, yeah. he wanted that, he he really wanted that illusion. I'm with um, And, uh, yeah. But HW, you know, kind of beat his ass and he let him <laughs> do it. Which, again, from anybody that I've talked to from that area would just, like, would not happen. Yeah. So, pl- again, Plainview is, like, a really gill- egalitarian dude. Like.
1: makes sense to me um, we should take a little break and do our thing that we call understudy I, I know I talked to you about it before so Brady just and I just have a scene and we're going to like you know, pretend to be actors <laughs> and stuff like that and then we'll come back and talk more mm-hmm. okay I'm going to play yeah. like a music segment but you won't be able to hear it but uh, you know I'll be glad Well, you know, it'll be clear when we're back so let's, let's let's break it up with a little understudy, and then we'll talk You're more. Right.
0: We're so sorry we couldn't get the actors To do the scene from this screenplay But we got two understudies, and to be honest They're probably more famous anyway So try to guess the actors, try to guess the movies Tweet us at C-A-R-N-Y couch this game called Understudy is happening, 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 right now. Whoa,
1: uh, Michael, Jesus, you, you, you scared me.
2: <laughs> Making a delivery?
1: No, uh, very funny. Uh, nothing like that. Have one. Go on it. Uh, really, it's, it's still warm. Best, best bread I ever had in my life.
2: So welcome home.
1: I, I, I know. The hotel.
2: I'm sorry, I'm getting a little overwhelmed. But you're feeling better now. Yeah,
1: yes, definitely. Much better.
2: Just not enough to call me back.
1: Hey, I wanted to organize my thoughts before I called. That's, uh, that's what I've been doing. And how's that going? Good, good. Very, I, uh, I just mm, need to be a little more precise. That's my, that's my goal. Speak softly. Carry a big baguette. As good as this feels, you know where it goes. No, you're wrong. What feels so good is that, uh, it's not knowing, you know, where it goes.
2: (laughs) How do I talk to you, Arthur, so that you hear me? Like a child? Like a nut? Like everything's fine? What's the secret? Because I need you to hear me. Well, uh, I hear everything. Then hear this. You need help. Before this gets too far, you need help. You've got great cards here. You keep your clothes on, you can pretty much do any goddamn thing you want. You want out? You're out. You want to make bread? Go with God. There's one wrong answer in the whole pile, and there you are with your arms around it.
1: I said I was... sorry.
2: You thought the hotel was overwhelming? You keep pissing on this case, they're gonna cut you off at the knees.
1: I don't know what you're talking about.
2: I'm out there trying to cover for you. I'm telling people everything's fine, you're gonna be fine, everything's cool. I'm out there running this price of genius speech for anyone who'll listen, and I get up this morning and I find out that you're calling this girl in Wisconsin, and you're messing with documents and God knows what else, and... How can you know that? They'll take everything. How Your do you know partnership, why? the equity, how do you know who I can call? They'll pull your license! How do you know I called Anna? From Marty!
0: You're how does he know?
2: I don't... No, I don't give a shit.
1: You're tapping my phones? Jesus, Arthur. Explain it! Explain how Marty knows.
2: You chased this girl through a parking lot with your dick hanging out. You don't think she got off the phone with you and da- speeded out her lawyer? She wouldn't do that! I know that! R- really? You think your judgment is state-of-the-art right now? They're putting everything on the table here. You need to stop and think this through. I will find someone to help you think this through. Don't do this to me. You're going to make it easy for them.
1: Listen, Michael, uh, I have a a great affection for you, and... And you lead a very interesting life, but uh, you're a bag man, you're not an attorney. If uh, if your intention was to have me committed, you should have uh, kept me in Wisconsin, and then when the arrest was around, the videotape and eyewitness accounts, of my inappropriate behavior, just relevance, uh, I'd see no criminal record. The state of New York and the crucial determining uh, criteria for involuntary commitment is uh, it's a, it's a danger. Is the defendant a danger to himself or others? Uh, You've got the horses for that. Good luck. uh, God bless. But uh, let me tell you this. The last thing you want to do is see me in court.
2: I'm not the enemy. Uh, Who are you?
1: I would do the understudy outro.
2: That was
0: understudy. Tweet us your answer at C-A-R-N-Y couch. Hey, Kyan, you still with us? Sorry, that was a long one.
3: <laughs> That's a long one. Well, I'm, uh, I'm still with you guys.
1: Okay, don't say it out loud, Kyan, because uh, the listeners are supposed to guess what actors we were trying to impersonate and then what movie that scene is from. Uh, but, uh, yeah, so, so we did it. And you can tweet us, as the theme song said, at C-A-R-N-Y couch. And then, uh, Indeed. If, uh, if you get it right, we'll wear high heels or something. I, I forget how it works.
3: we <laughs> in the privacy
1: of our own home. Yes, it's a pandemic after all. <laughs> uh,
3: the only thing I was going to blurt out was, uh, I have no idea what I was just listening to, but I, the only thing I could blurt out is how many of you guys both have women and I don't?
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's a <good> question.
1: <laughs> Well... <laughs> I can't answer that. <laughs>
2: ah. oh, man. So um
1: So I guess I guess the, the order of business now is like, is there anything that's really cool, like a really cool scene or blah 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 or something that you want to
2: talk about? I'll I'll sing I'll uh, call out a shot that I like. Um really great shot where Eli is going to confront Daniel about the money he owes him, the the mud fight scene. Um and you see this Is it scene. mud
1: or a puddle of oil? Well,
2: I guess it's oil, but yeah. I don't know. Maybe it's both. I don't know. Um, anyway. Bays in the
0: oil, man. Anyway, uh, there, there's a the shot
2: oil. of, um, kind of a medium shot, I guess, of Eli walking along the bank of the oil well to Daniel, where it kind of, um, the shot is perfectly level with the frame, so you don't really see much ground, and it's kind of like he's walking on, on water, but not water, uh, which I think is cool because oil is literally the opposite of water in terms of how they interact, which I think, you know, might be trying to say something about kind of like Eli walking on water is this religious thing. It's a
1: hydrophobic sub- it's substance. It's a hydrophobic
2: Brady. substance. And maybe, maybe it's, you know, to what Daniel is saying, it's like, buddy, you're fooling yourself. The actual, like, lifeblood of this country um, and what, like, really counts isn't, your religion, walking on water, it's its my oil. Uh, but it, it, whatever it means, it's a cool-ass looking shot.
1: I like that. I uh, like this that won stuff. the
2: cinematography Oscar.
1: That is true. It did. I'm going to act like I need no, What's yours, Rob? Oh, oh, you want me to talk about a scene? Where maybe I don't have one, or maybe I do. Let me take a look here. Um... No, I don't have I don't have one hey, off the top have... of my head. I'll, I'll think of one if you go. <laughs>
3: <laughs> well, my favorite visual shot is just um uh, I guess like towards the earlier portion of the film where the oil is just spilling from the ground and he's like I wouldn't take it if he handled XYZ. But just that shot of him walking away and like the blue black oil is kind of going down. Like I thought um I don't know. I thought it was really, really beautiful. My favorite scene, though, is probably um, the uh, right after the commencement of the uh, the blessing of the well, and uh, just like Eli and Mary, just kind of like playing and running around in a circle. I just thought it was like a really um, like the only like serene part of the movie until, of course, talks. That's
1: a good. That's <laughs> to, to a good observation. Dad. Um, I, you, sorry, go ahead and finish up, but I, you reminded me of something that I wanted to talk about that's around the same time. Oh, you're in luck,
3: because I was done. okay. Yeah, I was done. Um,
1: no, the, uh, um, there's the whole, um, they're building the church, and and then they bless the well, and, like, the music sting at that point is the, um, I thought at the time I was watching it that it was Handel I wrote here, but Brady and I looked it up earlier, and it was Brahms. Brahms. Um, and it's almost kind of like, so the the church is there and you're supposed to give the money for the church, but when they erect the well, they they play this Brahms piece and it's it recurs throughout the thing. And it's almost like, um, because Brahms wrote for the church, a it was very, uh, it was like it, it's plain views church. But the other thing about Brahms is he was baptized in the church, but then he was very ab- uh, agnostic and like, against the church, he you just like, no, I'm a human. Uh, the the idea is to do right by other humans, and it was kind of like uncouth at the time when he was operating, which reminds me a lot of Daniel Plainview. <laughs> he's, he's just got his own code, he's doing his own thing. And so it's interesting that like this march forward of progress and, you know, building this new well is kind of like the church of the person is just like, get it done, build the thing. And then just go uh, on about your way. I don't uh, I don't need to be this, this Jesus. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, no. Okay. You
3: yeah. okay. <laughs> yeah. I didn't know you were speaking specifically to me. But, yeah, okay. I heard the whole thing. But uh, I don't know much about Brahms
1: yeah, I mean, I, I wikipedia would like it when I figured out that's what the piece was, or Brady figured out <laughs> that's what the piece was. I don't know a ton either. But but he was an agnostic at a time when it was not cool to be. And uh, somebody, sw- uh, I think Dvorak said of him, and he's just like, yeah, he's just this great musical composer, but he believes in nothing. He doesn't believe in it. Any- he believes in nothing. <laughs> Getting all Jerry Seinfeld. He believes in nothing. <laughs> So, so yeah, that was something I thought was cool. It was in it. I
3: guarantee you, uh, Jerry Seinfeld's life probably parallels that of Daniel Plainview.
1: <laughs> Give
2: me the blood.
1: <laughs> um, the other thing I really like, since we've talked so much about like the lake scene where like he, he you know, pushes them into the ground and, and smacks them around and stuff like that, I like how that scene is retaliated uh, by Eli. Uh, with the the redemption scene where uh, the bandy guy takes him to the church and then like of course the finale is him retaliating again for that. Like Plain View gets two <laughs> And then he kills you so well, yeah. Well, come the, back. HW
3: also HW also does that. Right. HW also, HW also smack him around,
1: yeah. All all those things but but yeah, that's that's just him his dumb well, HW Did you guy.
3: guys see this film in theaters?
2: Uh, uh, yeah, I thought it was California and Berkeley. Yeah,
1: I think I was with you. Yeah, you were. Yeah, in 07. 07.
2: Ooh, way
1: back 13 years oh. ago when we used to smoke pot and go oh, yeah. watch movies <laughs> at theaters.
2: <laughs> I'll, I'll still light one I watch. Hands. Not in theaters, though.
3: <laughs> yes. Uh, everybody in the theater cheered. Uh was there when he was like, I'm finished. Everybody cheered. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the thing, remember that.
1: Yeah, this definitely was one of those movies that when you saw it like, at the time, um, it was one of those where everybody was just like, yeah, 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 that was good, man. Yeah, dude,
2: I want to talk about that, like, what a strange phenomenon that is. Because, like, I, I knew people in college who, like, were not by any stretch of the imagination, like, artistic y film type people. And so, like, normally, like, a P.T. Anderson film wouldn't have been their thing. I, I think I showed, like, certain friends Magnolia, and they were like, what, what the fuck is this? But, like, something about There Will Be Blood was just undeniable. Like, whoever you were, like, fucking David Spade was on the air just doing plain view impressions. Like, the rare case of, of a totally ambitious art film that also just, like, breaches the popular culture. I drink your milkshake. <laughs> Indeed. It's it's wild. And and like, I remember it so well. Like, oh my God, everyone's quoting like this very austere, like epic film about an oil man. Who would have called it?
3: Well, well, I'm I'm telling you guys, like, study any psychological spiritual system. Daniel Plainview is the everyman of all time. It's even in the name Plainview. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I view things plainly. I view them the way I see them. The vanishing point, the two diamonds, and uh, they come down, and make the square, and that's how I view them. I oil.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I think I did a good job of summing up a bunch of your points. <laughs> one statement, one. Happy birthday, guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah,
3: I'm 33 years old.
2: Nice man. That's, so, that's a good So you're a baby. Age.
1: I'm seventy nine. Oh uh, yeah. I look fantastic though. I look like I look like I'm thirty seven. <laughs> and, and and you smell good. I not right now actually. <laughs> uh, <laughs> mean, <laughs> <laughs> oh no. And this room smelled as bad, but we turned off the heat, so at least it's not a sauna. Or is it? Oh boy <laughs> <laughs> um, um um so uh do we have other things we want to talk about, or should we should we pick next week's movie I
2: think i i think oh. I'm
1: good are we th- we're just doing it with Rachel, so we're doing dog oh too.
2: yeah, next week's dog too,
1: yes, okay, okay, but we got uh, we could talk more <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. What what about you, Kyle? What do you what, How are you feeling? What's what's your deal? What's what's going on? You good?
3: What's my what's my deal? Um What do you gotta run? Do you, you those... wanna talk
1: more? Have... <laughs>
3: um, I would I, I think I have to uh, use the restroom and I think mean, it's pretty uh, serious, but <laughs> this is like one of my this is one of my most uh beloved films of like all time to watch. And I'm really, really uh honored that I got to discuss
2: it with you too. Yeah, you you too man, like it's such a great film and uh honestly I feel like this is one of our best discussions so like a, a good marriage of like a great movie with a ton of ideas and uh some some smart dudes if I don't mind saying so. Oh,
1: you guys you're so nice. Aww. <laughs> well, I, no. I think this well, was a very good discussion, and I think that's partially because you're here, Kyan. We should do it again sometime soon.
2: Yeah, and you know what else I think? Well, I would be honored. I think we should let Kyan at least submit a movie pick as if it, we were doing normal business, and maybe we can enter it into the lottery of next week's... Uh, you know, once we've done Dog Tooth, and then we pick another one. For cheese That can be a, a contestant. So, Kyan, if you could have us do... Um, Our next movie, what would it be?
3: Mmm, let me fucking uh, I don't know. Don't say anything. I'm not like a movie buff anymore. (laughs) Uh, No, just uh, shoot uh, from the
2: hip. Give us something you love.
3: I was gonna say Who Framed Roger Rabbit or Evangelion.
1: Ah, one of those. We have done Who Framed Roger Rabbit. We have not done Evangelion. Although Maddie has suggested (laughs) it before.
2: Okay, well then that's probably a good pick.
3: I have to say that Maddie is pretty wise. You should let them.
1: Yes. I, I will, of course, listen to everything that my very wise partner, girlfriend, spouse-ish, says. <laughs> <best. laughs> Housemate. <laughs> Housemate. Housemate. Wise. Right. Always, always correct. Always right. She is.
3: We've got to plan your uh, Flaming Lips themed uh, uh, wedding. With, uh, with like those bubbles, yes. they put themselves
1: in. Everybody
0: <laughs> yeah. be in a
1: bubble, <laughs> and and we got to do it at a place where there's like little mini hills everywhere, so you can get to the top of the hill and then roll down it and bump bump people.
2: Awesome. <laughs> I actually, just I just listened to the Flaming Lips yesterday.
1: Uh, you don't listen to them every
3: single day.
2: You, listen to, you just listen All to right, what? Hey, sorry, it's... cut out. <laughs> oh, sorry, what?
3: You just listened to what my phone cut out? Uh, uh, The Flaming Lips. uh, Flaming Lips. Uh, Okay. Uh, Well, the pretty. uh, I pretty much listen to mainly like trap and new age music now, but I listened to Embryonic the other day. It's like, oh my God. Those guys.
1: Ooh, look at this new category. Musical suggestions. Brady says Flaming Rips. (laughs) Flaming Rips? Cayenne says embryonic. Oh, I say chemical, brothers.
2: Uh, mm. Okay, yeah.
1: I don't know why I said that. I just did.
3: <laughs> yeah. All right, guys. I'm going to uh, go and do my business. Okay. Love you guys. Thank you uh, for having right. me on the podcast. Love yeah, you, man. yeah.
1: Thank you for this being here, man. It was great. And uh, I know Don Villa was mentioned. So that's a thing we do right before we play the theme Shout song. Him out. Thank you, my friend. <laughs> we shall talk to you, all you right, soon. See you. Theme song.
0: Bye. <laughs> carnivorous couch it happens once a week it swallows us for two hours when we try to sleep it forces us to watch a film about which we then speak carnivorous couch with brady and rob
3: How it you guys both have women and i don't